Hey, folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. Well, now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with $10 credit. Here's what to do download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store, click on the My Ticket section of the app, create an account. Then under the billing section, redeem code the Athletic. Once again, that's the Athletic. T H E A T H L E T I C, all one word for ten dollars off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Now credit is available only to the first thousand people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December thirty first, twenty nineteen. So make your moves quick and score those last-minute tickets. And welcome to another edition of Hoops Adjacent. I am David Aldridge, joined as always on the left coast by my man Waz Lambray. Waz, what's up, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm battling the, the beginnings of a baby cold, but I got the ginger tea, got the lemons on deck. I'm 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 ready for to do war with this this oh, ailment. Dude, I've been I've been like mainlining Dayquil for like a minute here, you know, because <laughs> it's, it's twenty degrees here in DC. <laughs> Ooh, no, I'm not gonna lie. We had to turn the heat on last night. It was ah. forty eight, and I was like, ah. <laughs> turn it up. Get some more fire on the lo- some more logs on the fire. <laughs> I know. I love you, all left coast people. I swear to God, I love you. Uh, hey, wanted to start the show this week um i know uh, we're taping this the lakers are playing the bucks and i know everybody in the world's talking about that game um and it's cool i get it you know top two teams and all that um but i actually was excited to see the heat with another really impressive win they go into philly and beat philadelphia give the sixers their first home loss of the season was here are the wins that the heat have had this year they've won at milwaukee they beat Houston and Miami. They've won at Toronto. They've won at Brooklyn. And they've won at Philly. Dude, they're for real. For real, for real. Yeah. They 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 have they have players. Um, and that's the thing. They have, you know, they don't have the high-end talent that you can say the Lakers is like we have LeBron and AD, all NBA, MVP type of cats, but they have like across the board, they they don't play guys who are bad NBA players, right? Um, Everybody's above average at what they do. Um, And even the rookie hero has been a good player for them, which, you know, as we say every week on the show, rookies tend to be bad players, you know? Um, Even rookies with potential and all of that. But Hero's giving them a nice nice burst. Um, And I think they, you know, the best thing about it, David, I think is they have an identity already. Absolutely. Um, and, 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 and everybody talked about how the Heat's militaristic organization <laughs> was just a perfect fit for Jimmy Butler. Like, who else is giving guys body fat right. tests coming in the camp right. and all of those things? Like, And that job's right with Jimmy Butler. He's all about accountability. Mm. He's all about, you know, working your ass right. off. And and he's so – they the, the Heat as an organization from, you know, from Pat Riley to Andy Ellsberg mm. – to the coach, um, 
you know, it's uniform and what they do, what they believe in, what the ethos is. And Jimmy Butler slots right into that. And so they come into the season already having an identity. It's not that's not something you could even say about the the Sixers, quite frankly, the way they play musical chairs with with their um, roster. Mm -hmm. You know, you can say that about the Lakers. You could you kind of couldn't really say that about the Clippers, even though there was a lot of continuity from the year before. So I think that's an advantage for them, David. It's like. They, this team has an identity. They've defined roles. Um, they play hard every single game, which, you know, people think is pros. They get paid millions. You take this stuff for granted. That's a skill. Mm-hmm. Getting up every single yep. night to play their asses off every game, no matter the opponent. It's really heartening to see. I mean, look, they started Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson in the backcourt. Come on. <laughs> and Kendrick Nunn gave them 26 on the road. Was wow, that's just... That's so impressive. <laughs> I mean, that's really it's it. Crazy. But to your point, this is what <laughs> drives me crazy about this league sometimes. Because you can talk all the yang you want about Miami and they got all the, you know, everybody wants to play on South Beach and blase, blase, blase. This isn't LeBron, all right? This isn't peak Dwayne Wade or peak Chris Bosh. This is Kendrick Dunn and Duncan Robinson and Bam Adebayo, just like you're saying, because they have a culture in Miami. They have a culture. This is what we do down here. And if you get with that, you can play down here. And if you can't, you got to go. And that's and I don't understand why other teams and other cities and other franchises don't understand that that's how you win in this league with a consistent culture of how you play and it doesn't matter if you if you win or lose a given night if you know how you're going to play as a team and as a franchise you have a chance to win and when you don't know how you're going to play that's when the teams are you know flashing a pan good because the best player had a great season and then he gets hurt or or he drops off and then you lose and you don't know why it's because you don't have a culture and Miami's got a culture, and it's a culture that's set by and is still set by Pat Riley. Even though he's in his mid-70s now, he still sets the yep. culture of accountability. Yeah, we're going to weigh you. Yeah, you're going to run. You're going to get in the best shape of your life. <laughs> and if you can't be with that, you again, Deion Waiters, you got to have a seat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that's just – I don't get it. I don't understand it. There's a way to win in the NBA. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but there is a way, but you have to be consistent to it. And so when Miami was 38 and 44, they were the same way they are that that they are now. And that's why they keep winning. And I just want to say, you know, and this is the the weekly reminder of the mess that's going on in New York. You got to tip your hat to Mickey Arison. And some, some people say, oh, what a genius. He empowered Pat Riley. No, like, not all these guys have the ability to do yeah. that, right? Like, you can say what you want about Peter Holt. He empowered exactly. That's um, exactly right. Popovich yep. and R.C. Mickey Arison empowered Pat Riley, yep. right? LeBron leaves and there's squabbles with D-Wade and there's this and there's that. It's like, no, we believe in what, like, I believe in what this guy's trying to mm-hmm. do here. And I'm going to empower him. And I'm always back my president yep. in front of any player, in front of it, because I believe in the principles and the ethos of the culture that we're trying to build down exactly. here. And so I think you got to take your hat off to Mickey Arison for being the type of owner who knows who to empower. Exactly. Um, James Dolan is the right. opposite of that, the inverse <laughs> right. of that. 
he's empowering all the wrong people all the wrong mm -hmm. times for all the wrong yep. reasons. Yep. Right? God bless Isaiah Thomas. He's a legend. He's a legendary player, Hall of Famer, one of the greatest to do it. He did not deserve that president mm. job for as long as he kept mm. it. Um, Steve Mills, what's his qualifications for what he's doing right now mm. in New York? Even Phil Jackson, if you want to say 1,200 rings and all of that, he never did the job right. before. That's not the job. That's not why he got the 12 rings. <laughs> he never did the job. Exactly. He didn't get 12 rings right, GM exactly. You know, um, and I think Mickey Harrison, you know, God bless them. They, they've empowered the right people and stuck by them. And it's exactly. dope. Let's talk real quick about uh, our colleague at the Athletic in Cleveland, Jason Lloyd. He does a great job running the Cleveland Bureau. But he covered the Cavaliers for many years before he went to the Athletic. He got a great sit down with uh, Kevin Love this week. And, you know, he talked about a lot of different things. They talked about you know, playing without LeBron and the whole passive aggressive thing and how he wasn't really with it, but he understood it. Um, but it just kind of crystallized to me the need or the the likelihood, I should say, that, that Kevin Love's trying to get up out of there. Now, he won't say it. Like, he won't demand a trade or nothing like that. But it's clear that his time there has come and gone, and he want, he'd like to go somewhere where he has a better chance of winning. So <clears throat> I'm wondering from your standpoint, like, is there a good fit that would make sense? Like, it's easy for somebody to say, well, if the Lakers, no, no, I'm not talking about the Lakers are doing fine with that. They don't need them, right? You know what I'm saying? They don't need, I mean, it would be a nice addition, exactly. especially offensively, right, right, but. Right, mm, right, right. And no, that's not the third you know, max guy. You know what I'm saying? Know. Like, they could use, like you said, they could use him and he, he could help him. But to me, it's like, but that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, is there a team or teams that are in a position where they're not quite good enough, but if they got a guy like Kevin Love, he could help them kind of get up to that elite level that we talk about with the with the Clippers and the Lakers and maybe the Milwaukee's in the East that, that really could use him to kind of jumpstart this shit. You know what I'm saying? So, or at least get, get them to a higher level. Now, I got a couple in mind, but I was wondering if you had any any thoughts on that. See, like, I keep hearing the Portland mm -hmm. thing, which I can see making sense if you say to yourself, well, my core is is Dame, CJ, Nurk, and, and Kev yeah, Love, yeah. and that's not a terrible core, and I think that would be a good team, but I still think you get rolled by the Clippers or the Lakers in five games, yeah. honestly, yeah. with that core. I think the Bucks would be a decent landing spot because I think... Giannis is honestly, they're overworking yeah. him. I, I don't like, I get that they're winning and we shouldn't be criticizing them for what they're doing. But this idea that he's, you know, 2009 LeBron in Cleveland, where you just give right. him the ball at the top of the key and just ask him to work the whole mm -hmm, freaking game mm -hmm. and make everything happen. I think he's miscast in that role. So I think incorporating a guy like Kevin Love, would actually, that would actually mm -hmm. fit. Um, I, I think that would make sense over. I don't know how they make it work because I don't know how they feel about, you know, paying another guy 30 something million with the Middleton and the Giannis thing. Um, but uh, honestly, quite frankly, David, and I've said this previously, you know, it took Melo like how long to find a job at the minimum. Right. And, you know, we were calling him an offense only player. Uh, Kev Love is an offense only Correct. player and he's getting paid 30 million a year with three years left on his deal after this mm -hmm. one. So if Melo couldn't find a job at the minimum, 
How are they going to tra- find a trade partner, especially Cleveland thinks they're quote unquote supposed to get something back mm-hmm. for him? I'm not seeing it for for Kev Love. I'm I'm you know, and and I don't want to disrespect denigrate his game. I'm just like one. And me and Zach got into an argument about this. He said he's a great rebounder. I, he hasn't been that guy for a few years. You can say it's because he's playing with Tristan Thompson. He hasn't been that. Soon as the ball goes up, it's going to stick right mm-hmm. to Kevin Love's mm-hmm. hand as a defensive rebounder. I don't think he's that guy anymore. So if he's just offense and he's not even giving you the rebounding thing yeah. anymore and he's got $100 million left on his deal after this year, I, I don't know where these suitors are. I don't. I, I think it's going to. Yeah, I, I agree with you in the one sense. The money makes it a little difficult. It makes it a lot difficult. What am I saying? Uh, it may be very difficult to uh, to go ahead and make that deal for him. But I give you one team that I think my, that I think could use him in a creative way, and he could help kind of keep them going. And that's Toronto. I, I think mm-hmm. Toronto. Look, Toronto's still very good, and I and I'm not saying that they need him per se. Especially, I understand that they put a lot of money into Siakam going forward, and you may not you may not see the fit, but I think those two could actually work very well together as a forward combo with the, with Siakam's ability to get to the cup and Kevin's love, Kevin's ability to shoot, and they've got contracts expiring deals, whether it's Gasol's or Ibaka's. Um, that's forty-eight million between the two of them, and Love's making thirty. So you could make a deal. With one of those guys. Now, if I'm Cleveland, obviously you're going to be looking for – you're not going to get Van Vliet. Don't ask for him. You can't have him. No. But, but I. But can I have Ananobi? You know, so a guy like Ananobi would be a guy I might be interested in if I was Cleveland as a build-around and a draft pick and maybe Patrick McCaw, somebody like that, a young guard. I'm not saying this is not an information thing. This is not a transactional thing. This isn't a sourcing. This is just an idea I had. But if you had – Siakam and Love and Lowry and Van Vliet, I think you could still make some noise in the Eastern Conference going forward, you know, for for a couple more years. Um, If you don't do that, I do wonder going forward, you know, Toronto's, can Toronto, you know, get that free agent and it's not a good class next year anyway, you know what I mean? So to me, if I'm Toronto, it's like, this is my free agent. Right. So for guys that really aren't yeah. part of my long term future anyway, whether it's Gasol or Ibaka, and one of those in combination with with an Ananobi or somebody like that to make the numbers work. To me, that would be a way for Toronto to kind of keep pace. And then you can add do what they do very well, which is develop a young guy, a G League guy um, or bring in a, a, a vet free agent on a, on a short deal or on a minimum deal and keep the party rolling. It's just a thought. I think there's places you can go. I agree with you. I think the Portland thing is kind of overblown. I don't think that it doesn't make the, the numbers don't and they don't even really work. All indications of that O'Shea is obsessed with Zach. Yeah, Collins. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea that he bring Kevin Love in to play the exact same position is I don't, I don't see that. Especially if they plan on keeping Nurkic, that becomes yeah. like that's a lot of stops and making if sense. Trade, if you're not going to trade, if you're not going to trade McCollum, they're not trading Lillard. I get that. But if you're not going to put McCollum in the yeah. deal, then I, there'd be no reason. There's no reason for me to do yeah. it from Cleveland. Right. So, so yeah, I, I understand that. So it's just that just, hey, but what I will say about Toronto, yeah. Dave, is that I don't think Masai sees himself as a go along to get along type mm. of guy. I don't think he sees his team as that type of right. team. 
So I, that's why I don't know that Kevin Love would be enticing enough. Although I see what you're saying, like they'll definitely be competitive and a good team. And Nick Nurse has shown himself to be a creative enough coach to figure something yeah. out. Um, but I think, you know, and everybody keeps saying there, they got their eyes set. They, they, they're going to ask Giannis to the dance, to okay. the prom or whatever. that's what they're holding so. out for, it's worth holding out for. But that's what, there's 20 teams yeah. saying that. He ain't going, you know what I'm saying? Like, he ain't yeah, going to 20 he teams. He can't play you know what I mean? 20 So, like, <laughs> you got to have some contingency plans, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, 100%. man, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, we'll be right back in just a second. We'll bring in Chris Weber, my boy, from TNT to talk about the NBA, to talk about life, talk about his new book and everything Keep it close. Let's bring DA into the conversation here. Welcome to Comic Jason on the Athletic Podcast Network. I turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs and just like the boasting and braggadocio. I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than Shaq. With David, David Aldridge. Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Come on. We're friends, aren't we? And then he yeah. cut their lungs out and killed everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. Bosnie Lambert. So the Chicago and Detroit stuff, that was real. That was real. I mean, God forbid we don't have scholarship monies and can't pay for the charters for the water polo in Iowa. Welcome to Hoop 54. We have ignition. Hello, bro. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. And of course, I'm talking about mental fitness. And Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, is teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. If you go to calm.com and have enter the code HOOPS, you'll get 40% off a Calm Premium membership. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron James in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash hoops. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash hoops. That's calm.com slash hoops. And joining us, see, this is when I'm happy to... Happy to have had a, a previous life uh, in television because I got to work with people like our guest this week, my man Chris Weber. C. Webb, all the way from the law. What, what's up, man? <laughs> hey, how you doing, D.A.? Man, it's good to hear your voice. I only hear your voice now when uh, playing 2K or something <laughs> like that. And, and, and you're giving reports on the sideline. I miss you, man. Man, I miss you too, man. I, I really do. I really enjoyed so much hanging out over the years, man, just, just, uh, just chopping it up about, about hoops, about life, about everything. And man, I want to talk to you about all of it. We got Waz here with us, uh, also on the left coast. So, um, we're going to be talking about a few things here. Now, what's going on, C-Web? What's going on, man? Man, I'm good. So, uh, we're going to, so man, you, you're doing Clippers tonight, right? Uh, Clippers in Houston tonight. Yeah, so it should be it should be a really good one. So I wanted to hit you about about the Clippers and just kind of like what you what your impressions have been of of them so far. Now that they got uh, PG and PG playing, you know, back on the court uh, with Kawhi. Well, it's funny. I suggested this at a production meeting. It didn't go over too well, but I wanted to call them the young hyenas, and <laughs> because I look at them as a group of hyenas, you know, from mm-hmm. what I understand, and hunting hyenas aren't the biggest, but they they go in packs, you, you right. know, it's just incredible. And they get you to a feverish pitch because they're screaming and yelping and laughing and making all these noises. And that's, 
and, and they're focused and they get it done. They really don't care about, you know, who they attack is bigger than them. And I, that's how I look at the Clippers, especially when you look at what they did last year. And, and before Paul George, before uh, Kawhi Leonard, to me, you, you know, very few times, you know, you look at Toronto, we knew who they were before Kawhi got there and we knew who he made them. Mm-hmm. So I would say that the Clippers already had the heart of Kawhi and Paul George. They just needed the talent to go with them. Because right. usually you get a guy and you get his heart. And these guys, got they already had the heart. And so I I really like this team because they're going to play defense every night. They're consistent. They don't care who they go up against. And they got two guys. I mean, they're the only team that have four guys averaging over 19 points. And, and Harold, he does it with, with his IQ, but also with his effort. And uh, Lou coming off the bench. I mean, um, I, I really, I really like this team. Even down to the coaching staff. Uh, when when you look who they have on there, Sam Cassell and Ty Lou. I, I really like the makeup of this team. You know what's funny, C Web, is that the Clippers actually remind me of those old Sacramento teams that you were on, where you were the focal point. Because when you think about the Lakers, you know they got the high end, top end talent. But even when you look, you mentioned the scoring averages. It's LeBron averaging 26, AD averaging 28, and everybody else is at around 8, 9, 7. Whereas, as you mentioned, with the Clippers, it's a more even distribution of the scoring load. Um, And I think that's going to serve them well in the playoffs. Do you think um, the depth is going to be able to overcome, say, L.A.'s top-end talent come playoff time? I know LA's playing the best right now and they're great, but I would change the question to can LA's lack of depth handle the depth of mm. the Clippers? Yeah. I mean, the Clippers have the depth. They have the four players, they have two players coming off the bench almost averaging 20. So, you know, you can't have AD get in foul trouble. You can't have, of course, LeBron get in foul trouble. You can't yeah. do those, you know, type of things. Whereas, you know, if Kawhi doesn't have a good night, it's very possible that Lou Williams could score 35 points. Wouldn't be surprised with that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I've seen I, it. I think, <laughs> you, you know, so I think the depth, I think the depth of, um, of the Clippers is what's to be kind of admired and talked about. I, I think that the, you know, the reason why I was so enamored and so surprised with what LeBron's doing is because he doesn't have the help maybe overall of the Clippers. So I'd have to go depth and, and bench. I'd have to give that nod definitely uh, to the Clippers, especially come playoff time when you need to play fast. So at different paces, different styles, um, they just have so many matchups. They have so many uh, like-sized players that they can put a small group out. They can put a small group with just one big out. I mean, they, they, they have so many different lineups uh, that, that I, I – I really like their team. Now they haven't really done it consistently, especially on the road. But um, yeah, yeah, I think the Clippers. Uh, I think you're gonna have to watch out for them come playoff time. Da, you heard it here first. Chris Webber predicts the Clippers will wipe the floor with the Lakers. In the <laughs> here we go. <laughs> That's the headline, right? That's the headline. Here we go. Yeah. Webb, is there? You think there's anybody? You're gonna see Houston tonight. You think there's anybody out of Houston or Denver or Utah? that could challenge either of the L.A. teams in the West? Man, I, I, we're going to see tonight, but I've, I've believed in Houston. You know, call me, call me foolish, uh, Dave. I, I think, D.A., we did the game when maybe they missed 27 threes yeah, in a row. Yeah, yeah. And, and if they would have just did one layup, right. <laughs> they would have gone to the championship, <laughs> just one layup. Right, right, right. And so... Um, <laughs> You know, they're a different team, but, you, you know, I, I look at it, if, if not now, then when, when you have 
Westbrook when you, you got, you know, rid of Chris Paul and then other things have happened. So I do, um, I, I, I'd like to see more fight out of Denver and Denver's playing well, yeah. uh, but just in talking to their coach, coach Malone before the games, you know, he was on his team to say, you know, we have to play up to our expectation. It's not good just to be good anymore. Mm-hmm. We have to play up to a certain level. And so, so I could definitely, I, I won't count them out. Um, but I, I don't know about their hunger. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem to me like they, uh, is championship or bust. And I think that you have to have that feeling and, and actually be that vulnerable and open enough to say it. And two years ago, we saw Houston say, listen, you know, this is what we're here for. And they didn't get by. And I, so I still think they have that same energy, but you know, I'm, I'm disappointed in Utah. Mm-hmm. They were down 40 to some team early yeah. half, you know, in the year, I, I thought Conley would be the answer for them. And, not not just him, but you bring Bogdanovich over. Yeah. I thought that that was free up guys. So I'm very very disappointed. I, I actually I think that they're the disappointment of the league this year, in my opinion, is Utah. Maybe that's just because I expected so much out of them. But I, I really think it has to be Denver or Houston that 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 may have a chance to shake things up. But the way that the Lakers and Clippers are playing right now, it just seems like they're destined to 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 meet each other in the Western Conference Finals if, if the numbers add up like that. The seedings. See, Webb, I want to stay on Houston for a minute because I think because we got into an argument on one of our other shows about whether or not Russell Westbrook right now is even a better player than Chris Paul. Right. I I actually think for what Houston was trying to do fit wise, I thought Chris Paul fit better than Russ did on Houston. Um, I I wasn't a fan of the Russ trade. Um, I understand that they thought they were getting a talent upgrade, but I just thought fit wise, I don't think their games sort of meshed. Um, what have you thought about Russ so far this season with Houston? Has he been an upgrade from Chris Paul? I think he has. I, I think uh, because Chris Paul is so great, such a great professional that that a lot of people overlook his weaknesses, such as defense, his size, the fact that players were coming at him, attacking him, the fact that, um, the fact that uh, he doesn't stay healthy. Uh, the mm-hmm. fact that he doesn't push the pace. They're a three-point shooting team. Um, Russ can post up, uh, draw a double team, and um, he can post up, draw a double team, and kick it out to open shooters. Uh, he pushes the pace. He's a one-man fast break. I understand the feeling that Chris Paul brings, but I would tell you that players did not have that same respect, and they went at him. And you actually saw him, uh, in my opinion, you saw him get older really quick last year with the way the guards were attacking him. They had to play... Uh, Rivers a little bit more at times, uh, so I, I I wasn't as impressed maybe as some was with with this mm. ball. Um, I, I think that it still comes down to Houston with the style of play, and the whole world wants to criticize uh, Harden, and and he should take some criticism, but he didn't play like that before Coach D'Antoni came to that team. Mm. Period. That's the way they want to play. That's analytics. That's it's the perfect storm if you are a player that can play one on one because all you're saying is I don't want to play like this, but I'll score sixty. I'll play at the top of the key. You know, uh, one time Coach D'Antoni said it basically to me like Shaq used to post up, throw the ball out, repost, throw the ball out, repost, and there was not a better play than that. And having checked Shaq, I could tell you there wasn't a better play than that. <laughs> him staying there, and that's how he treats Harden. He lets Harden mm-hmm. post up at the top through dribbles. Throw it to the side, post up at the top through dribbles, throw it to the side, post up at the top, and then shoot it. And it may not be great ball. It may you know not look the best, but I don't know how good they would be playing any other style. And so I, I think Westbrook has done a pretty good job coming in 
and uh, keeping the pace going. Players know when he gets the ball, they put the track shoes on, they sprint out because they know he's pushing the pace and they can get an open look. And uh, defensively, I, I really do believe that he was uh, better and maybe just because physically gifted uh, than uh, Chris Paul. So, um, I, I, you know, it, it, who knows? It's still going to have to bear out. We're going to have to wait to see how it goes. But um, I, I just don't think you can go wrong with the most athletic point guard right there being physical uh, while you have one of the most gifted scores that, that we've seen in this game. Webb, uh, I, 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 love, I just love listening to you talk about the game because I know you have a passion for it and the knowledge about it. And you understand what it takes for, for teams to win and how you have to have uncomfortable conversations sometimes with, with your teammates, with a coach or whatever. And I just, I, I wonder from, from your standpoint, being a broadcaster now, you do that every week. And you, unlike a lot of guys who were great players, you're not afraid to speak truths as you see them to other great players or to role players when you're on the air. And a lot of guys can't do that for whatever reason. And I wonder how you got comfortable understanding, well, this is my role. And sometimes I have to say on national TV, you know, LeBron, you're messing up or, you know, whoever you're messing up, where that came from and, and how, how you got comfortable doing that. Well, wow, that's a great question because I really never thought about when you just said where it came from. The first thing that came to mind is I'm from a small market or I'm from Detroit. However you mm-hmm. want to look at it. If it's not small market, it's a it's a um, undervalued market. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like we're So back in those days and listening to games nationally, whether it was the Lions on Thursday or whether it was the Pistons and the whole narrative of them being bad boys, um, I hated the fact that I hate the fact that there was a company line. Mm-hmm. Like there was always a company line. Mm-hmm. And my thing is that the great thing about the NBA is 50 million stories and you can get where you fit in. And if you just tell the truth, it'll be fun going on to the next thing. Like when I came into commentating DA, I really thought about what type of commentator I wanted to be. And I really thought about John Madden mm-hmm. because John Madden brought so much love to the game. So let's just say, uh, uh, let's just say, uh, Lawrence Taylor and uh, is trying to tackle Barry Sanders. Yeah. If Barry Sanders juke Lawrence Taylor, he wouldn't say, oh my God, how terrible is Lawrence Taylor? He can't do this. He he wouldn't do that. Because yeah. first of all, doing that is like disingenuous. Yeah. Instead of saying, <laughs> that's how good Barry Sanders is. Right. He made the great Lawrence Taylor miss him. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and so I just hated the narratives of guys that I thought that were, and, and don't get me wrong, you have to take a beat when you retire. You have to you have to decompress. You have to say you're not a player anymore. You have to bring humility to it. And, and with that, I think it takes a lot of bitterness out or guys trying to prove points yeah. about their career, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, um, uh, subliminally or, or whatever else. To, and my, my thing is, you know, I, you know um, I don't know if I've ever – I mean, I know maybe I've given LeBron five because I played against him, right? but we never had a conversation. Um, the wow. same with with a lot of players, Anthony Cooper, and I do that on purpose. Um, mm. And I've heard that they appreciate it because they know that at least it's sincere where I'm coming from. And in that way, even if I'm wrong, we can have a conversation about it because they they know that there's nothing else in there except the comment, and we can discuss the comment without any other uh, things floating in the air that may have happened or, or something like that. And so, my job, I just. I just want to go out there because I believe that if you played basketball in high school, college, if you took it serious at any time, you know the game. Maybe you can't 
understand it to certain levels. Maybe you can't play a certain way, but you you know the game. And my thing is that I just really wanted to be sincere for the fans. When I looked at how like Bill Walton talked about us during the Sacramento series, I'm, I'm doing a book right now, so I have to go back and watch all these games. Yeah, it was. I'm glad I did not know what he was saying. <laughs> Right. Because it was just ridiculous. He was a Lakers fan the whole time. I don't even know how the NBA allowed him to do our games. Mm -hmm. He started off one game. He started off one game saying, "Well, I don't know how Sacramento's going to win this." It's like it's an even playing field. If, if you would know anything, you would say that this is sports. And the great thing about sports is we don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. Maybe the Lakers are better, but and yeah. so I just in college, you you know, guys like that and. And and they were always talking about us, and it was and even when we played other teams, Cincinnati and this and that, we were like, no, we respect them. We watch film. What are you talking about? It's not going to be that easy if we win. And so, hopefully, I could bring you know that levity to the game and say, you know, this is how great the players are. This is how bad they are. They messed up, but but overall, this is a wonderful game. It's the best game in the world with the best players in the world, and and hopefully, we can all enjoy it together. So I I really do uh, I really really do enjoy. Uh, being around the game and being able to uh, relate uh, my feelings to to fans and, and basketball people alike. So uh, I, I'm in heaven, and hopefully um, I can hopefully I can just continue to improve and, and do a and do a better job each night uh, in these games. So I'm I'm so happy you brought that up, C Web, because you know there's a lot there's a certain people in the in the media who feel like. Um, your colleagues at TNT, Chuck, and maybe even Shaq. I don't think Kenny so much, but definitely Chuck and Shaq, um, that they're not the greatest ambassadors for the game because they're always talking about, well, the game sucks now. The players take this much time off. I would have gave these dudes 50, blah, 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 blah. Like, they're not actually promoting the game. And honestly, um, since the first time you started um, commenting on game, see where the first thing I noticed was your enthusiasm. Um... I feel like when you're watching the game, you're legitimately geeked to be there, to be watching these guys perform. Um, is that something, is that a conscious approach that you've decided to take? Or what do you, what do you think that, why do you think you're so enthusiastic about what's happening? Is I guess what I'm asking you. Yeah, well, one, you know, uh, to be able to do something you love, you can never take for granted. Uh, two, I hope to be a management. I hope to be a GM of these teams and to, to be able to put a team on the floor. I still think it's time to win a championship. Um, I also feel that, you know, growing up the way I did and my father working in the factory, he calls me on Thursdays and says, I'll say, Dad, I'm about to go to work. And he's like, don't use that word. Because <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you're not working. Right. What I did was work. Right, you right, know? Right. So, um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's all about perspective, man. And, um, I'm, you know, I'm just blessed to be to be part of the game, man. And, and so to have ended um, injuries and other things and to have been in this game so long. And, and, and I, think the, I think our league is in great hands. I mean, when I – I have a jealousy when I look at these guys, like in, in a positive way, mm -hmm. meaning, you know, I love, I think the, I think we have the best players, some of the best players ever in our game is, and our players have gotten better, but I also think that they get to do things that we didn't. You know, everybody talks about Larry Bird being a great three point shooter. Yeah, he was, but was he? He only got to shoot one and a half a game. Right, right, these right. guys mm -hmm. are shooting 12 threes a game right, right. and you, and you don't have to, worry about percentages anymore right. like when i played if you were a guard and you shot under 48 percent, 46 percent like you were terrible that's right now it's okay right. to have 42 percent yep. so but I, I like that and i like the freedom i like you know hard and pressing the issue with the step back i love 
uh, uh, I love the fact that Westbrook, you know what it is? I really appreciate the different personalities in the game when I feel that maybe mass media wants every guy to be the same. So two years ago, really got into it with Popovich, got into it with everybody because I thought it was unfair, the, the narrative on Kawhi. The narrative on Kawhi was he was a terrible player. He didn't talk to anybody. He didn't tell you what was going on. Well, that's only because the media couldn't get a story out of him. If it was Tim Duncan, when he didn't talk, everything was okay. And I also thought it was terrible to, to tell your team, Ginobili and those guys, go talk to Kawhi and make him try to play. Yeah, what that was what bad. is that? That doesn't happen in the locker room. But I hate the fact that we give you know guys these lifetime awards while they're coaching or while they're playing, and then so you can't talk about that. You know, and so um, and then guys want to talk about it maybe behind in the locker room or something. So I never really respected that. I thought, you know, hey, it, it is what it is going to be a million stories. I know people have talked about me my whole life, so I know you can get you can get over it. It won't kill you. Right. And so uh, I, I just love having those conversations that, you know, that we would have us three would have, you know, over a beer, you know, at lunch or something like that. So yeah. it, it's been, you know, it, it's and then again, to have those conversations with the pop, if. If he's not talking about, you know, if he's not talking about James Baldwin in the fire next time, a book mm. that he gave me. Right. So at the same time, like to be in the back and talk to him about politics, have fun, do that, to hold him uh, accountable or to talk about sports and things like that, to be part of it, man, is just, uh, it, it's just, it's just so much fun. You know, I talk to Grant Hill about it all the time, about the fact that I went over to his house when I was about 15 years old and all we did was pull out tapes and watch old, all-star games and highlights and and we're doing the same thing now if you'd have told me at 12 this is what i've been doing 15 this is what i've been doing i would have signed up then and so uh man i'm just having a blast man chris this is uh, I, I, we could do this for like hours but I, <laughs> I know you have to get ready you gotta get ready for a production meeting but i wanted to i did want to ask you give you a chance to talk about the book by god's grace coming out in february of 2020 uh your memoir and I just wanted to ask you why you wanted to write it. Wow. Well, I wouldn't, man, I, I did not want to write it. Hmm. Um, about eight years ago, I got a call or a little bit before eight years ago, I got a call and um, there was a documentary about the Fab Five. Right. And um, I called my family. I said, uh, I, well, we had to get a conference call out. I have four, three brothers and sister and parents, aunties, and everybody on the call. I said, there's going to be a documentary made about me. I'm not participating. I was just called about it. And they told me it was basically over. And they wanted me to come in and, and you know, vouch basically for everything that's being said in, in one soundbite. Yeah, yeah. And on the phone, you know, we took a vote. And let's just say there were 14 people, probably, you know, give or take. I would say 14 people unanimously my wife, my brother, my mother wanted me to go on a documentary mm. because they were heard about the things that had been said and perpetuated all this whole time. And I couldn't get that to because uh, I knew that their uh, emotion was a weakness for me because it's not something that I wanted to be a part of in the story because the story was not correct. Yeah. And I had to make a decision right there. How do I remedy it? And there I decided to start writing a book and it was uh, the worst and the best decision of my life because it's been the hardest thing I've ever done to all you writers out there I admire your work I <laughs> cannot believe the mental 
the, the mental, I don't even know, gymnastics that you have to go through and, and everything. And so I just, I really respect uh, writers. I have a greater appreciation. But over these years, um, writing it, um, it's been therapeutic. Uh, it's, it's been wonderful. I've, I've, I've become more thankful uh, just because of what I've gone through. And that's why I call it God's grace. So I talk about just family and my wife and I trying to have children and being told we couldn't have children for about a good six, seven years. Now I got two little bad butts running around the house waking me up every morning. So I know, you know, definitely God is great in, in that. And it's really just, you know, thankful to all the the people that had a great impact in my life. And then those that may have just said a kind word when I was down, you know, whether it was my mom after the me calling the timeout, I went home and she gets a timeout license plate and says, no, this is how we're going to define it. You're going to start a charity right now. We're going to help kids. And, you know, what are, what are you worried about? You know, to have that or to have a father of mine with the background that he had that, you know, can kind of say, you know, I went through this now compared to that, and that doesn't make it any better for you. But, you know, you have this strength inside of you all the way to being able to play with guys like the, the Fab Five and, and, you know, who loses the championship and is remembered more than the champions that year? You know, just those little things. And to be able to play in Washington with Jawan and Rod Strickland and Sheed and George Muir, you know, just the wonderful times to take out of it and really to go in deep with, you know, from calling the timeout or going in deep with, you know, mistakes that I did make. And and so it really um it really was a, a great exercise for me. I'm, I'm really happy that I did it. I think it came out pretty great. It's 420 pages, so... Uh, I hope there's some good words in there because it's ridiculously long with a lot of pictures and different things like that and, and, and some, some really good surprises in there. So, uh, DA, it was just, um, I, I had to make a decision a long time ago. Is this, is gonna, is this you know, am I going to have a voice in this? Because I really didn't care about speaking out or what people thought. And hopefully at least for my kids and family and, and those that care about me, um, you know, they'll have my words there and they'll see, you know, what that time was like. And also, there are a lot of young athletes that, a mentor now and families that I mentor uh, that are, you know, top preps in the country and all that good stuff. And so I wanted to make sure that I put this down there for them too, because one of the things that we didn't have the luxury of was we didn't know what the world was going to be like. We didn't know, you know, it wasn't like today where you have social media and Zion knows that LeBron went number one and LeBron knows that KG came out. It, it wasn't that. And so hopefully uh, with the people that I mentor now and work with now and those to come, uh, they'll kind of see what I've done, good and bad, and, and they can learn from those mistakes and learn from, from those good times as well. So uh, it, I'm very proud of it. I can't wait for it to come out of uh, February 4th and uh, really excited, really excited about it. Man. Man, where, dude, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm just blown away by, by this. And I can't thank you enough for, for joining us. Um, I can't wait to read the book. Uh, I, I just, um, I, I think you are a unique person in all ways. And it's just a matter of time before you get the opportunity to, to mold a team and a franchise and the way you see a team should be put together. I really believe that. Um, because the passion and the love for the game is too strong to not be given an opportunity for you to have your own canvas. So, man, I wish you the best. Safe travels. Hit Marv on the neck for me tonight and um, say the best to your family. and Merry Christmas to all of them and to you. And thank you for joining us, man. 
Oh, man, thank you guys for having me on. It's been a blast. And uh, call me back, man. Have me on uh, anytime. Man. Anytime. Anytime, definitely. Hey, C-Web, thank you for coming on. I'm going to be at the game tonight. I'm going to run up on you and say hi. So uh, be ready. <laughs> That's what's up. Nice. Okay, cool. Right. Just don't do it like... Just don't do it like Patrick Beverly because my knees ain't working. Oh, oh damn. Let me, know Let me know you're coming from a mile away. Man. Got you. Got you. Bet. Bet. Man, thank you again. Man. Appreciate you. Boy. I thank All you right. guys. Welcome to Who Comedy Adjacent on the Athletic Podcast Network. How was that, Was How was that? That was pretty good, huh? That was fantastic. Um, somebody my age, you know, I've, I've always looked up to C-Web, so it was a pretty cool conversation. Uh, he's just... He's been like that. I've I've been with... I've been... When he was with the Bullets, they were the Bullets then. So, man, that was like the first good thing that happened to Bullets in like 30 years, right? When he came and, and they traded for Juwan, or they drafted Juwan and they traded for him, I should say. Um, and even when I disagree with Webb, about things. And there was a lot of times we disagreed, but I just love talking to him because he had so much, he would come at things at such an interesting angle that you had to at least listen to his point of view on it, even if you didn't agree with it. Right. So that's why I am, I'm, I'm certain of this at some point, somebody will see it the way that I do. Cause he mentioned he wants to be a GM and I know he's got people that he's been trying to, that he's been working with for a minute to try to buy an NBA team. And at some point, somebody's going to say, "You know what? This is the guy that can sell, that can sell this franchise to my fan base." You know, because he's so passionate and so smart, yep. and he's got such, a, he's got so much pedigree with the with the Fab Five and with the Kings and all that. And, and again, the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame, I didn't want to bring it up with him, is a crime. It's a travesty yeah, and, a, and a joke that he's not in the Hall of Fame. So, um, especially when we we consider people's international contributions, that's like his the contributions whole point. to the college game. No, that's like, the whole point. What are we even talking about? It's not about? about the NBA. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's all the contributions you make. Yeah, you tell me that just... it's not been a more substantial contribution to basketball and culture no. than the Fab Five? Are you kidding no. me? Are no. you? It's, are when you, you consider his high school, college, <laughs> exactly, pro, it's exactly. Just, are you kidding? The guy's case is unassailable. No, it's ridiculous. So at some point, somebody's going to – you'll get in. I I'm, I'm, believe that with my heart. And it's going to be fascinating to see how it turns out because I don't know. I'm not saying it's a lead pipe shins is going to work. I don't know because you have to have luck and, and things have to fall your way as well. But I know it's going to be fascinating to watch when he gets to put a team together the way he says it. His vision of what a good basketball team should be will be fascinating. So it was just, man, it was just great. I, I, I could talk, like I said, I could talk to Webb all day about basketball, about life, about everything, because he's just such an interesting uh, person, point of view, the whole nine. Um, but man, let's get into the to the style rankings for this week. Was a new number yes, one, a brother wearing white after Labor Day. I thought it was a crime, <laughs> but no. <laughs> 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 well, see, the thing is, in Miami, it's always summer, it's always right? eighty-two, so, right, 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 right. It, so that's the vibe. Like that's, 
you know, I feel like the non-white after Labor Day is a New York thing. It's like, all right, guys, it's no longer summer. You're no longer spending weekends in the Hamptons. So you can put your white pants away, people. Like, you know, but in Miami, it's it's always summer. And like I said in the piece, what I loved about what LeBron was doing and, you know, Everybody knows when you when you know you're going to see an ex somewhere, mm-hmm. you want to kind of show off and show them, like, <laughs> my life has been improved since we've moved on from each other. <laughs> That's just a fact. That's universally true. Right. Man, woman, uh, teenager, 20s, course. 30s, of 40s. Course. It doesn't matter. We all feel that way. Um, and I just thought LeBron's outfit was – that was the essence of – I'm, you know, I've moved on. I'm unbothered. My life is amazing with my new boo, and 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 I'm good. Was I ain't going so I ain't going front. Was I'll be talking to some people that you know back in the day when I was when I was 16 and pimply and didn't have mm. no I had no game, mm. and and they go, oh, you're doing so well. I'm so happy for you. I'm like, yeah, you should be happy for me. You had the <laughs> shot and you blew it. <laughs> You know, you could have gotten on this train, but you decided to go, you know, take the bus. Good for you. Have a nice life. <laughs> yeah, you I know? think LeBron's just like, um, yeah, you had this, but it's gone. Yeah, because you, you wouldn't pay Mike Miller. Yeah, okay. Exactly. You know, you ain't want to treat me special. Try to treat me like just any old body, like, mm-hmm. like employee number eight and whatnot. No, you know? no, I'm LeBron Raymond James. What you talking about? Living well is the best revenge. You know what I'm saying? Yes. That's honestly, David. That's that's honestly, it's so true. Yep, like, yep. there's no reason because. You know, it's one of those things on social media that gets on my nerves. Like, I've never personally written one of these because I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. When somebody writes like, you know, the way I get back at people is cutting off their access to me. Or, mm-hmm. oh, my haters are going to die slow. Or mm-hmm. I'm just like, why are you getting so sassy on social? <laughs> hoping that somebody that you're upset at. He's going to read it. Like, if you're really, really, really upset with somebody and you really care about this person, then you can call them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, If you're not, then there's no reason to address them. If they're somebody who doesn't matter to you, then you shouldn't be addressing them anyway. Right. So Mm -hmm. I hate that whole thing on social. I always feel like moving on, living a, you know, a highly enlightened you know, elevated life is what's going to be the best revenge if that's what your mission is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's always funny. So I just love the idea of just looking good, being great, mm-hmm. feeling good. Year 17, still getting it done. I mean, I, to me, that's the best revenge. <laughs> well, he's he's having it for sure. And, now- and especially when you consider what they've been doing after him, it's like giving White Side 150 million. Right, right, right. Wade is. Is eating weed on a plane and all of that. Like, it's just, you know, it's one of those things. I love your line about CP3 with with what with the coat he was wearing. Mm-hmm. I, could, I could see this on myself. I could see this on Michelle Obama. I could see this on Liberace. I love that. Man, that's outstanding. That's such <laughs> yeah, a good that's, line. <laughs> and that's why I love the coat. And, and I love... You know, and the funny thing is about um, Chris Paul and his style, it doesn't jibe with anything else about 
his personality mm-hmm. that we know, right? right like right. he dresses in this really fun manner and we don't associate fun with Chris Paul at right, all. Right. And that's what I enjoy about his style. It's like, this is his outlet to not be this militant tactician um, his shirt isn't tucked in, you know, mm-hmm. just that, that type of guy. Right. Um, just, just the most ridiculously competitive person. Um, that's what I really enjoy about what he's doing with the clothes is that he is such an ornery, just like <laughs> Jesus. Like, could you please relax? Like, that's always we're just like, all right, Chris Paul, we get it. Like, could you just relax a little bit? And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna relax, Blake Griffin. I'm not gonna relax, DeAndre Jordan. I'm not gonna relax, Doc Rivers. No, no. I'm Chris Paul. Yeah, that, that, that explains <laughs> so, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, and DA, you of all people, you know what Chris Paul's rep is out yes, there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got you. <laughs> I got you. So how did how did Alex Caruso make the list this week? Well, so this is the thing. Like, I'm sensitive to what people say in the comments about, oh, we're tired of seeing the same guys and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, like I said, I'm always looking for new people to highlight and give love to. And I'm pretty sure I've had Caruso on the list once before. Was he on before? Okay. Okay. Yeah, he was on once before. And, you know, I came across... I came across this this fit on Getty and I was like, look, like Caruso looks nice. He has on a nice pair of pants and he, he dressed it down with a T-shirt. And you know what I'm saying? He got the the, the white on whites with no socks. I, right. I love that. I love that look. He even has a Gucci man purse. I, like, we're loving it. We, we, we just like the aura. And again, you know, um, shouts to um, Khalid, my editor, um, our homie, uh, he, he, he edited this out of the portion, but I put that, um, not only was his athleticism sneaky, but his personal sense of style was as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to see it. Everybody called it's called a man purse. Now we used to call it a clutch back in the day, well, mm-hmm. back in the early nineties okay. when all the brothers had clutches. I had one too. I'm okay. not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> So I'm glad to see they're making a, a comeback because, you know, we got clowned for a minute for having for rocking the clutches back Uh-oh. in the day. But that was like, man, that's the style piece. You know, we had the little leather clutches back then. But and now you they, know what's so, cr- so crazy, D.A., sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. Um, knowing that you're a D.C. cat, you know, so funny is that amongst the black community, especially on the East Coast, um, D.C. people are known for being like, D.C. black people specifically, especially amongst people my age, are known for being, like, a bit buttoned up. <laughs> a little bit. A <laughs> like, little bit. <laughs> like, you know, like, wearing Chelsea boots and fedoras to brunch on Saturday. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what we associate with D.C. So, hey, I the fact I, I, that... You don't hear me disagreeing with you, Of course. Of course. <laughs> the fact that D.A. was rocking that in the 90s, he oh, was yeah. getting that vibe off. That's oh, yeah. incredible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had... Oh, man. We were... I'm just so glad to see Coogee's back. You know what I'm saying? Like all the stuff yeah, back that was that was gone for a minute. It was like I'm glad to I'm glad to see everything comes back. It does come back if you just wait long enough. <laughs> so, so it's a beautiful thing to see, man. So, man, we got to get out of here. Um, but listen for all of you. If you want to hear, you know, extra commentary and extra things that make hoops adjacent even more special, and you're not a subscriber, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Go to theathletic.com forward slash hoops adjacent, all one word. You get 40% off of your subscription. 
and you get the extra added value part of the podcast that you can't hear in front of the paywall. So get with it. Do what you do and join up with the revolution because we talk about all kinds of great stuff every week like this. We thank you so much for listening to Hoops Adjacent. If you want to leave a review, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on all over the place. Leave a review. Leave a five-star review. Tell everybody how much you love us. And we can have even more great content uh, down the road. In fact, I think by the time we have the next show, Christmas will have come by in Kwanzaa. So it was. Merry Christmas to you. Happy Kwanzaa. All of those good things. Happy Hanukkah to all of our all of our Hanukkah folks. And we'll see you next time. Later. Oh.